The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deek speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofa. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofa. I'm Will Anderson and uh, rejoining me, uh, look, we don't get to do it all the time, but it's always fun when it happens. Uh, guest Charlie, Greg Berent. How are you, Greg? I'm great, man. I'm always happy to be here. I'm always happy to see you. It's good、I'm、to always, see you, though. I'm always excited when you ask me to do it. Yeah, it's fantastic. You look good, though, I, I must say. I was、uh, asking you about you. your health early, and you look, you look tanned also. Yeah, yeah well, I spent, I, spent a little, I spent a little bit of time in Hawaii. Yeah, we、okay. had a vacation, but then I left in the middle to go Ohio because I don't like myself much, and I just had to do that. But I,、um, well, I've discovered speed, so that's really, that's really why I look so good. Right. I,、um, I、okay. was telling you before we went on, the, on, on air. That、um, I, they said one of the side effects of chemotherapy, I'm not going to go into the cancer thing, but I had cancer and then the, they gave me、uh, chemo and then I was cancer free. But one of the side effects is lethargy, you know, like it lasts for a long time. Right. And I eventually was like, I can't live my life like this. I'm getting fat and I'm, I'm, I can't get through 10 minutes of a run. And so I went to my psych and I said, Look, is there any, what do, you, what do I do to battle this? And then he gave me a jug of Adderall, which、right. is just a bucket of speed. Yeah. So I've been on speed for a while, but I'm getting off. I did not, people seem to not enjoy my personality anyway, but. On speed, that's too much of me. Well, for my if, wife, at least. If you want to know what that would have sounded like, just put this podcast to 1.5 speed. Oh my God. It's so weird because I just didn't. I mean, I knew it was supposed to, I knew it was speedy. I didn't know it was just speed. It's、right. dexamethamphetamine. It's dexamethamphetamine. That's what it says、right. on the jar because I don't get it. I get the generic. So. They just tell you what's in it. And I'm like, good Christ, this is why isn't everyone pretending that you're not just selling speed to everybody?、Right. So it's,、uh, <laughs> I mean, right? And then, they, and then I was that's already. That's why on, they had to legalize the weed just to even out the speed. Well, that's the thing. And then I have the body shakes from,、um, from the chemo, too. You have these body spasms、oh, that are like, I, it's I, like I, restless I, knee, but for your body. I honestly thought that was like going to be some health thing. Like, you know, you got an earth bar, the、oh, no, body, no, no, body shake. No, 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 no. Then no, I started no. having the body shakes. No,、uh, there's a name for it, but I had that thing <laughs> where it's like the body version of restless leg syndrome. Yeah, right. So they gave me Ambien. So now I'm mixing speed. I'm mixing hello and good night. I'm、okay. mixing those two things. Nice. Which means that at one point I got up to go to the bathroom and then my wife screams, Jesus Christ. And I realized I only walked to the end of the bed、right. and I was pissing on the dog. Literally actually peeing on the dog. I mean, it was like, I mean, look, there's in, nothing wrong in, with that. In some ways, I'm sure you had one up your sleeve. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I bet there's like, if you looked at the times that the dog has pissed on you versus the times you've pissed on、oh、the dog. Oh, my God, right. And how much of it shit I've been involved in. Like, there was a little bit of paper. <laughs> you know what it's like, man? You want to know what it's like?、Yeah. I love you, but you know what? How much, you know my,、uh, here, check it out. I'm not going to shit on you, but how about a. But yeah, I, I didn't know I what like, it was. I like the idea that that's what the dog perceives it at because the dog doesn't know. And the dog maybe thinks you've been holding on to this grudge for all that time. Yeah, like one、right. day. Jesus like I pissed、right. on him a lot、fuck? and he never pissed on me in return. Yeah. 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 Do, yeah. Do you think the dog then goes, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I no, get it's it. fair. No, it's fair. fair. 
Um, Sometimes or fuck you, can't you get I'm a up. dog. You have I don't have a fucking toilet, you idiot. Right. Get out of here. <laughs> if I had a fucking toilet, I'd go to it. Don't you think? You think I you think we like this? We know we're dogs and can't say anything. So go fuck yourself and get off of me. They're very um uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, and then I also did a thing where I woke up and in the middle of the night and I was FaceTiming with two friends of mine in Denver. Talking about music. Had no idea how I got there. Right. So I uh I I was like this the the Adderall is not working for me because no. I can't shut down even when I shut down and whatever. I mean, I guess the dog was probably happier about that. Well, I mean, I think the dog might have even seen it as a come on. Right. I don't know what their world. I mean, you do have a golden shower retriever, <laughs> so that could comes boom, with the dog. Buddy. I wish we had a bell for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a that was like an at midnight joke, man. <laughs> that was a perfect at midnight joke. <laughs> Hashtag, yeah, golden, yeah, 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 golden showers retriever, everybody. Dirty up your dog. Hashtag. Hey, Hardwick, if you're listening, my sweet friend, um, yeah, hashtag uh, dirty up your dog. Right. Right? Yeah. Hit bullshit. We're going to go all night and into the morning. We're going to keep doing them. How about le- Lebra do, Lebra don't. Shit on the carpet. Whatever you want to say. Anyway. <laughs> Well, they're not all gold, like at midnight. That's right. I mean, that's, that was that's a right. perfect. You, what you did then was actually a perfect uh, sat, uh, satire of the actual show at midnight. That's right. Because the first two were pretty good, and then there was a bit of filler. Yeah, there's a little bit of filler. There's a little yeah. bit of filler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's only so many of those things you have to then you have to do them over. I, I guess I assume. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so 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 I I, uh, uh, I did not enjoy my Adderall experience. Um, uh, I I tried to pawn it off on a friend. The other day, but when a couple of my friends that are writers are like, just have it around, man. Just right. in case you really get, really need to, every once in a while, you just need an just, idea. Right? <laughs> a little, I go, that's a good way to think of it. A little idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, no, but I imagine that. Like, that's what I'd be like. When I, when I have stuff like that in the, in this house, like if somebody left something or if I had like, yeah. I'm just like, oh, well, I mean. If you immediately, incessantly start cleaning, it's a not, it's, it's a drug. It's, it's like you've been prescribed a street drug. <laughs> Like they're playing a game with you called, well, this is also just meth. I mean, you're, I was cleaning immediately, rearranging, you know, and then I went, I was sending all these emails to my writing partner. She's like, what the fuck is happening? I just had to rewrite the whole fucking first half of this thing. Like I, I really did have the like classic, typical, stereotypical reaction to it at first, like just manic and focused. Well, you know, the other thing about meth is that, um, you know, the, the big warning people always say is you've got to keep clear of meth because you don't know, like, the state of the labs they're making this stuff in. But literally the number one side effect of meth is making you want to clean things. So surely meth labs must be pretty clean, right? Oh, my God. Because at least you can just get, like, one guy and go just have as much meth as you want yeah, yeah, but yeah. just keep the place just clean. just keep it just sparkling clean. Right. Take your clothes off. It's like, no problem. It's fine. No problem. Do what you want, but just clean yeah. up as you go. But as soon as you start cleaning them out of your own skin, we got to fire you. Yeah. As soon as you start looking for the germs inside your body, then we get, then you've gone too far. I mean, it's look, it's a short-term employment thing. It's like a summer camp thing. Well, University students and stuff. I had – I mean, the, the, the one thing that I found difficult about it was – I didn't have a sense of how I was behaving. Like even when I thought I was calm, like uh, uh, even though I, at first you could feel it in your body, like you're humming and then it becomes a party because I was, I did what they said. I took it as prescribed. So I figured this will go away. So then I start. I felt physically normal, but I realized like people were waiting a long time for me to finish talking and right. I couldn't stop. Like I literally was like, Oh my God, I just filibustered through that person's 
I think they started the conversation and I'm finishing it. Like I couldn't stop. And I wasn't quite sure. My wife's like, you are insane. You right. seem insane right now. And so that's when, and that's the hard thing sometimes about, I think, especially with pills, if you want to bring it back to Prince or start it with Prince. But I think, you know, uh, my guess is if I was to guess on how he died was it started with my hips hurt. I'm a, I'm a Jehovah's witness. I can't get a blood transfusion. So therefore I can't get a hip replacement, but you know what I can do? I'll just take one of these pain relievers every time, two of these pain, three or four of these pain. I got to come off the pain. I'm a little tired. I should. And then you just start mixing up all the drugs so you can be Prince. Right. And the other thing is that Prince doesn't have a, like a regular schedule that he has to keep. Well, for a reason, <laughs> as a kite. Right. But I mean, in yeah. general, like right. if you're your average, you know, work, you know, work, drug user like you know but you have to be at an office at nine and you start showing up at 9 45 or like 11 or whatever eventually right there may be some structures in place that you know stop you know alarm right. bells yeah, are right, rung right, and right, you, right, right. Yeah. you know but when you're prince right if you've broken all your societal norms and you decide that the jam starts at 4 a.m every morning at your house and right. call adam levine let's just call it like yeah i mean and his productivity is through the roof, right? You right. Mean, He's done four albums in the last like year and a half or something. Right. I think the idea is that sometimes people think you become, everyone has this like Keith Richards idea of it, but you look, same thing happened to the kid from Green Day. You know, he had the one flip out during that radio thing, but up into that, they had just released a three album set. Right. So somebody's high as a kite, but working. Oh, yeah. And probably thinks that, the, that I think the problem is you, you probably kid yourself into thinking this is how I got to keep the, the company moving, the machine. Sure. You know, I'm paying the bills here. I'm, I'm, you know, but obviously you've deluded yourself and you're not, you know, living in a reality that, you know, but it's, it's interesting because I feel like we're going to see this stuff and I think we have to reframe it because the second you paint Prince as a drug addict, then you somehow, it, it, it somehow it lowers his worth. I think, I think that, that people start to go, oh, well, maybe you should have died. Do you know what I mean? Right. Despite the fact that, like, you know, the stats show, like, the weed thing is the, the greatest example of this. Like, the fact that in places like Colorado and, uh, you know, similar places where they've legalized marijuana, like, uh, prescription drug overdoses have gone down 25%. And that's not Prince or, like, you know, no. Michael Jackson or whoever it is. That's ordinary people who are in chronic pain of some kind and are right. you know, overusing these opioids, you know, that are prescribed to them by doctors. You yes. know, not, not that they're, you know, it's not because they're on the road and they're doing them with, you know, groupies and, you know, like, but, you know, they're partying with Eminem and knocking these back. No, they're like ordinary people like going about their lives on these drugs. 100%. And, then, and if they get to the oxy level, then there's only one step after oxy, you know, which is heroin. I mean, oxy is very close, right? So it's... And, and, and then it is like somebody's mother or somebody's, you know what I mean? Like it, you're right. It's, it, it's chronic pain. But the, the thing is, it's not like icing the pain. It doesn't just affect the pain. There's a, the, it gives you this sense of well-being that is pretty unachievable right. through regular chemical living. <laughs> right. And who doesn't want that sense of like, I mean, literally, if you, if you gave it to the heads of state or if you just threw it, on the, threw it out in the Middle East, people would be sitting on the, in the sand going, okay, you talk about your God first because I was a little rude. You go ahead, then I'll talk. You know I, mean, I mean, it's such a, like, I mean, that's such a high school stoners conversation to have of like going, hey man, if everyone just smoked weed, but there are some drugs where you're just like, you know what? Like I did DMT and for whatever the fuck that is and yeah. whatever the fuck happens, yeah. like I honestly believe there should be one person in every like government of the world who at least like, like you know, 
get the best stuff and sit in the rest. Right. Can, but like just expand your mind in a way well, that but, might, you know. But here, here's what I think about it. Because I think, you know, I've done, like I've done the like acid and that stuff and the hallucinogens. I've done the, like what I would call mind expansion. Yeah. What I feel like happens with things, opiates, especially the like oxy uh, and, uh, and Demerol and, and that kind of stuff, um, or Dilaudid rather, is rationality. There's, it's like, it's like a, a, you know, rationally, you feel not only can you see outwards, but you can see inwards really well. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to have some patience here. So he's just a person. Right. Yes, he's a Nazi. And yes, he want, he's saying, I'd like to exterminate the Jews, but that's just his point of view. I don't right. know if he's going to do it. And I probably could talk him out of it if he was on the same level as me. Right. Could we get out to talk about why do you want to Why do, do we that? find, let's find a connection first. And, we and, both take care of our hair. We both in, understand the importance of dressing up for a right, special right. occasion. Like, we have, let's talk about our commonality Yeah, let's first. talk about what we have in common first. Yeah. And, and then you, we'll, you shouldn't have stole that sign from the Indians. You messed that up for everybody. But that, that's, look. <laughs> there's yeah there's some look there's some things that we yeah right let's, let's find a way fundamentally things. Uh, well, are you saying greg uh, if i'm hearing you correctly that you think that opiates are the opiates of the masses yeah yeah i do think so well here's what i've been here's what i've been trying to discuss in my stand-up act it isn't necessarily go over that well or people aren't that interested in it but <laughs> it's accessing well all drugs access a part of the brain that you have right I mean, this is you, man. Yeah. It accesses, the, so those feelings, it just knows how to get to that place. So somehow someone should study that and go, look, the we can actually create a reality that's just more ra rational. It's not necessarily up and it's not down. It's warm, but you feel like thinking is enough and you feel like consideration is enough and you feel like listening, which I never do. <laughs> <laughs> What about the Prince thing? Were you a big Prince fan? No, not, I wouldn't claim it like the way I feel about the replacements, you know, like that Prince was never my life, but I was in, when did Purple Rain come out? 84. So I was just in college maybe or whatever, but I saw it three days in a row. Like I went, I went, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. And I went back and then I went back again. I, I absolutely adored it. I just thought it was perfect. I thought it was like, this is everything I like. There's music. There's girls in here. He's cool as shit. They're wearing clothes. He's riding a motorcycle. And it's all happening in fucking Minneapolis. Like, I just thought it was really, really great. And I kept up with him, but he wasn't, it's not my sound as much. You know what I mean? I like more chaos, probably. The interesting you know? thing that I would say about the Minneapolis thing is, I think to the rest of the world they don't really understand like what that means. Like I have gone obviously to Minneapolis to play, you know, Ac Acme there uh, a couple of times. Yeah. And the thing you've got to understand about Minneapolis is there's nothing there. So like, I mean, this is for Prince to yeah. like, you know, to live there, yeah. to like have his home there, to stay there, to be of there. Like he is the least of their person you could ever imagine. Well, in your that's life. what that's what Westerberg from the replacement said. He's like, now not only that, but imagine he goes, you know, we met resistance, and we were literally like four j janitors that started a band, but we, you know, we were young kids predestined to be, you know, Peter Buck from RM called it Midwestern fatalism. But Prince not only did he come out of that scene and at a place that was not forgiving about sexuality and masculinity, right. but he came out Prince. 
like he he wore those underpants there first. Like he came out in the lady shit. He wore the stockings and all that shit. The early stuff there. That's where that started. And that's you got balls when you to, and he was a tiny man. I mean, that's balls, man. That like, is real. That's the that's punk rock. And this tiny man who like is remembered at this incredible like sex symbol but just kind of created this like sexual ambiguity and this like world of like that I was saying to someone the other day like all the photos and all the things that you look back on normally when somebody wears costumes or is flamboyant or has that sort of style when you look back at stuff even some of the Bowie stuff you go oh I mean uh, look here's the thing good on you David you kept making choices and by the nature of you the fact that you occasionally some of those choices aren't just going to work out yeah but you look at Prince and what you realize is his style is almost kind of this like eternal style like it's almost the same style he had then but he just slightly tweaked it throughout the era's to kind of be reflective or whatever in the same yeah. way as he did his music. And the only other person I can think of that I would probably feel the same way about is Little Richard. You know, I look back at him and I go, but that costume is so fitting for you. It's right. so right. It's so like you got you and you made the point and it, you know, I mean, he lived to be a much older man, obviously, than Prince did. And who knows if, like Liberace, if Prince later on in life, you started to go, oh man, you should just tone it down a little bit, man. You can't pull that. You don't have the shoulders for that anymore. Like, but there was something about his, um, also he was just, you know, um, as everyone's pointed out, like what was the thing he couldn't do musically? None of it. I mean, that was, there were no, what was the weak point? Some of the most of I went and saw Prince. I've been telling this story a little bit lately, but, um, uh, I went and saw Prince because of Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, I was at Largo watching Paul's show mm-hmm. and he told a story in the show because, you know, Prince was doing those 20 shows for $20 at the forum. He did 20 shows in a row right. here in LA. It was about right. three or four years ago, I guess. Right. And um, Paul told this story about going to see Prince. And I have never owned a Prince album, but, you know, like I am, I, I was an admirer of Prince, yeah. but like it's not really my jam either. But that's, see, that's the beauty of him. Right. Like most people were an admirer of him. That's why his death was so profound. Even if you didn't have the albums, even if he's, even if your whole record collection was then also filled with country, you still kind of admired him. That's, you know, right? Well, well there was a couple of things about that, I think. Firstly is you do know all these songs. Like yes. when I went to the concert, he played for two and a half hours and I reckon there was like probably eight minutes of that that I probably didn't know every single word to. Right. And I've never owned a Prince album. Right. So that by itself is something to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went out to the gig and, uh, because Paul told this routine, like he was just like, it just was so joyful. This like routine about going to see Prince. I was like, I've got to go and see Prince. And, uh, so I went out, bought myself a ticket, sat there, you know, alone in this thing. And, and a couple of my observations were firstly, I did, I, funnily enough, being Australian and I guess, you know, we don't think of it in the same way, but I was surprised that Prince is a black artist. As in like, you know, I think of Prince, like particularly in Australia, you think of Prince as just being like a pop artist, like an everybody artist, right? Right, right, right. I know what you, I understand what you're saying. So, I mean, culturally. Culturally. Yes. Like when I went to the concert, like, like if there was 20,000 people there, there were 17,000 like black people there. Right, 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 right. Which yeah, to yeah, me yeah. was something, well, A, there's, you know, not 17,000. I mean, of course there is in Australia, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. we don't have that population for that to happen. But that right. hadn't kind of also occurred to me that that history of you know, James Brown and that style of music was so writ large upon Prince, right? That just wasn't something that I had 
had occurred to me before then. You know? Right, and then and then and then it also <sighs> goes back to uh, Sammy to Sammy Davis. Right, you know that being able to, I mean, Sammy Davis could play the drums and play the piano and do the splits and sing and yeah. So I mean, like it is like there's yeah that guy's been a, that particular right right so they um so then the connection got re- even larger because mary j blige did the she was the support act right and then in between on the big jumbotrons on the big screens they started playing footage of james brown oh my god in a concert right yeah which a is like looked amazing on the big screens and James Brown's music like blasting out and whatever. But B just occurred to me as I sat there by myself, I was like, this is ballsy, right? Mm. Cause that's essentially like, you know, you going out, but before you go out, you play Patton's latest special. Yeah. And just like, you know, as you warm up, yeah. yeah, just while people. I'm gonna uh, try that. Yeah. And then I'll come out. I like the workout. Right. <laughs> I like the workout. I like the challenge, man. <laughs> Oh my God, I don't, know, I don't know how we make that a show, but you just put a legend on and then go, go ahead, follow go a legend. Ahead. Follow a legend. Well, that's probably what you call it. Follow a legend. Follow a legend. Oh my God. <laughs> we should make that a show. We should make that a show. And in Australia, you get to be the legend, but we should do follow a legend. That would be such a great late night show for a bunch of comics. You get young right. comics who've maybe done like one thing or one special or coming up and then you have them go on after we sneak the legend and you can't, right. you can't tell who it is. Oh, right? you don't know which legend you're going to have no, to no, follow. No, no, no. You bring in two legends and you don't know who you're following. You don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Pretty fucking amazing, man. Follow the legend. I love that idea. Because, you know, it's funny and I don't mean to, I want to get back to your yeah. Prince story, but like I on the road sometimes... I will not, like, let's say the act does a lot of crowd work, which right. I fucking hate. Okay. Sometimes I want to get rid of that guy or ask him not to do crowd work, and sometimes I can go, follow it. Follow it. Get the attention back on you. Tell him to shut up. You know, late night Friday show, I hate it. But sometimes I go, or sometimes the kid's just fucking amazing. Right. Sometimes, I, you know, those kids, the stars of tomorrow are out there now. So well, sometimes I follow yeah. somebody and I go. I mean, in that middle slot, like, yeah. that could be somebody who's about to be. Yes. And yeah, yes. I, it's and a, has been on an occasion. It right. has been Harris, or yeah. it has been um, um, Harris uh, Hannibal. I did work with Harris Whittles once, but also uh, Hannibal or uh, Mulaney or Schumer. All of them were right. features in some capacity at some point. And Moshe, like there's just there's kids, right? Canane. Like well, I mean, it's the nature of the industry. Yeah, right. But you don't. <laughs> but 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 when you realize how strong they're going to be, yeah, and you realize you have to follow them. You know, it's it, there's nights when you're like, fuck you, man. Yeah. How am I going to follow this? I want to go home. That was good enough for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he puts on James Brown. Oh, so he puts on James Brown. Now, it turns out later, I found out later, that uh, a lot of people who play in his band were also members of James Brown's band. They have a lot of the same oh, yeah, musicians okay. and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't know that at the time. So they play James Brown music. Everyone's having a great time. Everyone's dancing and stuff already. You know, they're really into it, right? Yeah. And then up on the big screen, there's an interview with James Brown. And I won't do the voice, but James Brown, you know, in that sort of James Brown yeah. way, he's being interviewed. And he's, basically, this is what he said. He goes, people always ask, why don't you play the best of James Brown? And then he just looks down the camera and he goes, because the best of James Brown is yet to come. And then the, then then the lights go off, and then Prince just rises out oh of the middle god. of the stage. Oh my right? god, that's amazing! Like, that's the oh start. My god. That's incredible. This- that's literally incredible. <laughs> that's literally incredible. 
That's like a young band piggybacking on a documentary about Black Sabbath and go, fuck you, Ozzy. Here we go. That's amazing. Right. That's amazing. Right. That's balls. Yeah. And that's setting a level. And, I mean, and, and while he's doing that, you know, there's still the same thing. He is asking to, he is trying to beat that or or put himself in the same league as and well, belongs there. But. All of those things. I think like what he really did a great job of doing on that night to me was he did a great job of saying, this is who I am here to honour and right. I believe I am going to honour this in like, you know, right. a way that is, but I want to see, you know, this is, this. I would not be well, this without some, this. He, and he sold some James Brown records that oh, night. Absolutely yeah. sold some James Brown records. You know what I mean? Like people go, oh, I want to go back to that. If that's what that was all about. If there were people that didn't know. So he's in the round on this night just to demonstrate that idea of his musicianship. Yeah. Like, and so in each corner, he basically has just different. So like he's got the piano in one corner or like he'll play guitar in one corner. Yeah. Or he'll do blah, blah, blah. And at one stage, he's down the front on his piano and he'll do like eight bars of cream or eight bars of like, you know, just some more poppy sort of like mainstream, like, you know. And then he'll just like, he did that for about like, I would say eight minutes. So he does eight bars of them. And then in between, like when the crowd's just like going wild, like he's going to play it, he just go, too many hits. I got too many hits. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I got too many hits. The only thing I ever saw that was comparable to that that I thought was cocky and funny was Dave Grohl goes, oh, here's another super hit that I wrote. And then they just launched into something, you know, I mean, it was always obviously tongue in cheek, but it was said in such a funny way. It was like, right. oh, okay, but fair enough. But when, but when you know every song and like, like yeah. he has to do a medley of like eight of them so he can jam in his two and a half hour show the rest of his hits. Yeah. That's, so that's my, the point. I've only, I only saw him once and I... And it was during the um, whatever Raspberry Beret, that okay. record, yep. whatever that what tour was. And he was playing. This was a this was a thing where he had uh, he brought a basketball. I don't know what tour it was. Somebody else will tell us. But mm. he brought a basketball court with him. He brought half a basketball court. Okay. So for it would be the, on stage. A bas- yes. Okay. Yeah. So he'd shoot baskets and then play. That's what everybody. <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> Fuck. I don't even. That's what I was told. So then he was notorious for doing these after-hour shows, right? And yeah. I went to one of those. Well, he, I, he did one of those in Melbourne, like yeah, six right, months ago. Right. He was in Melbourne six months ago, and he did a bunch of like you know late at late night you know drop-in right. shows. Right. Like, he goes and does an after-hour show in a venue most guys won't ever get to. Right. So he but it was at the war. I think it was at the Warfield, but they only invited about two hundred people. It was just a, for uh-huh. the staff, basically, and. We were high, and he came out, and he did like maybe maybe Raspberry Beret, like one hit, not even a major hit, and then he just got on the fucking drum kit, and he played drums for a while with the band. Then they left. He had to have played for at least a half hour, just right. drums, and we were just fascinated. It was just fascinating. It was just amazing. Like, and then he got up, and I think he did a couple more songs, and that was it, but he just basically drummed. The whole show and people were fucking wrapped just right. like fuck do it man like this is what we came to see we didn't come to see that all those fucking hits i came to see drums i mean i have to say like i would have loved to have heard right. more of his catalog now that he's no longer with us but i got to have that experience of like man this is not you know what i mean he was just fascinating have you managed to spot there's a couple of things that i wasn't aware of uh 
which is the one positive, you know, at least for some, for me, <laughs> not, not for anyone else. But I mean, a, a positive out of these things is sometimes you stumble upon bits of some, an artist's back catalogue or things they've done that you weren't aware of because they died. You know, the reason, right. the reason these things are being shared and the reason that you are taking an extra effort to have a look at things that are shared is because the yeah. person died. Right. That's the truth of it. Yeah. And so I, there are two things that I've watched in the last uh, – a couple of weeks and one of them I think maybe you even posted uh, which was Prince at halftime in the Super Bowl Super Bowl yeah right and that the, was one of my favorites yeah and the quote at the start where yeah. so can you tell the story yeah so basically it was um, uh, his halftime performance was amazing if you never saw it you just google it it's great he comes out behind a curtain and he just rips a guitar solo for a while it was just so so great and and uh, but it was uh, it was raining and the, the, at the beginning of this video, it's the guy who is the, um, uh, pr- producing the halftime show. And he's like, he goes to Prince and his manager, and he's like, it's really raining, man. It's really coming down. Like, it's, I mean, it, we're looking at a fucking, it's going to be awful. It's going to be a hurricane. And so they go, well, don't tell me, tell Prince. And so he went and he told Prince, and Prince said, make it rain harder. Something like that, right? Make it rain, make harder. It rain harder. Make it rain harder. Like, he just fucking was game, man. That guy was game. Balls, man. And then when you see it and you you, you watch and it literally does rain harder when they start playing Purple Rain. Yeah. And it's almost like you're just like, all right, whatever you believe in Prince, that Jehovah's Witnessing, maybe that's because you have absolutely nailed this. It's amazing because they're dancing around. He's wandering around with live instruments on stage in this like thunderstorm. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing about Prince that, and I, again, I don't want to be these old guys that like, you know, but you just... It's not even being old. It's just being. There just aren't that many guys like that. There just aren't in this world. There just aren't that, you know, the the Hendrix, James Brown, like those guys that just are the whole fucking thing. And then even at game time, like when you see them, I mean, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there are that many stories of that many off nights for Prince. Like, and just that ability to be able to do that and be challenged and not be a diva about it. I mean, I'm sure he was. I, my favorite story. I posted this as well. I'm a massive Replacements fan, and they just released a biography. There was a biography, an authorized biography. It's 504 pages. I highly recommend you read it if, if you are uh, even uh, like a, a vague fan. It's like a Raymond Carver novel. It's one of the saddest, darkest things you'll ever read. I wept twice during it, like just fucking. It was. Now, they were an American band that came up almost exactly at the same time as R.E.M. It, it, on college radio, which was the, the beginning of alternative. So you could only listen to shit on college radio that was punk or cool or whatever. And they had every opportunity that every other band had, and they would just fuck it up in a most, in, but kind of in a cool, beautiful way. You know, they swore on SNL. They were the only band banned from there. You know, they do industry showcases and just play covers. Like, they were fucking... They were, they're also kind of dicks. Right. You know, but they're a beautiful band. And they were from Minneapolis as well. And they came up at the same time as Prince was a, just a bit ahead of them. So they would play a thing called the 7th Street Entry, which is the, the small room off the 1st Avenue. So 1st Avenue is where Prince started, where you see the movie, where Purple Rain is. Then there's a little tiny room in the back. And the seats about 100 people. So Westberg goes... We used to see him around, like me and all the other guys from the punk bands, and we didn't like anything, but we liked Prince. Like, we all knew, man. Like, holy fuck, now I'm gonna go back and write a song? Why would I bother? And he goes, and, and he goes, um, and he would sometimes walk into our show. He'd just walk in, let everyone kind of know he was there, and walk out, and the whole crowd would just go with him. <laughs> and he goes, I fucking hope he did that on purpose. I never got a chance to really talk to him about it, but he was ballsy, and he did it to us a couple times. Take the whole crowd. 
So he said, he goes, I ran into him in a bathroom once. Uh, we were both in the bathroom. And I said, at, at that place. And he said, I turned to him and I said, what's up? And he said, life. And then just walked out. So I'd like to say we became great friends after that, but I didn't really get to know him. But here's a story we'll tell about him. So we recorded a lot. Westerberg recorded a lot at, at Paisley Park. We did his, they, did, they tried to do some replacement stuff there, but they definitely did. He did a solo record there. And if you know the replacements and you follow them and you know that the, 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 the original guitar player, Bob, died. So he goes, I was recording a record one day and my friend had died. He wouldn't say, but it was obvious. And, um, and he said, I left the studio to get some cigarettes. And when I came back, Prince had filled the entire studio with balloons. And I heard this other guy named um, um, Von Jones, who is the... who was supposed to be the Secretary of Education until some Republicans made that not possible. But he was Prince's curator of his charities. Because as a Jehovah's Witness, you're not allowed to brag. But he's like, I don't care. I can brag now. I can say whatever Prince, I can say whatever I want. I'm not Jehovah's Witness. And so he said all the nice things Prince did. But he goes, the one thing he said was, Prince was rarely there for you on a good day. But he was always there for you on a shitty day. Okay. Which was beautiful. Uh, and Prince also started a thing for black kids to learn code called Yes We Code. Put solar paneling on people's homes. Like he did a bunch of pretty cool shit. Uh, there is an amazing, if you're into him playing the guitar, which again wasn't one of those things that, I, I mean, I always knew he was a great guitarist. Yeah. You can't help but see him in concert. But there is, yeah. uh, uh, during, I guess, George Harrison's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of yes. Fame, yeah. uh, there is uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps with like this lineup of like, you know, all star musicians. Yeah. And then Prince just comes in and plays. The, the, a guitar solo that for, makes you forgive every terrible guitar solo you've ever heard in your life. Like you're like not, every shitty guitar solo I've sat through at a gig where I'm like, this is not making the gig better. That, that is, it, everything is worth it. There's a lot of things that are very Prince about it. Number one, he plays so long that other members of the band start laughing and looking at each other. Yep. They don't know. It's, it almost seems like a sketch. And then he rescues, like he, it's, and also, it steals all the like George all the focus. Who. It's just so, yeah. There's no, it's no all about Prince. It, it has zero reverence, and then yeah, maybe not, but it doesn't seem to have <laughs> reverence for Harrison. Like this moment doesn't seem to anymore be about George Harrison well, or anyone else on the stage. Anyone, and it's fucking legends. It's like Petty, right? And it's um, I can't remember like um. Fuck, there's a bunch of I mean, I, I recommend people look it up, and I'll yeah. post it on the Facebook page and stuff. And I, think it's, I think it's Marlon. I think it's Keith Richards' son, Marlon. I think Richards is up there, but I think Marlon Richards is up there, and he's the one that starts like looking around and laughing, like, this is fucking happening, guys. Right. This is, this is we didn't but, rehearse this. But then not even that. Like, he does this, like, exquisite, like, makes his, you know, guitar gently weep, you know? Oh, it's man. amazing. And then throws the guitar over his head and just walks off. Yeah. It's unreal. He's unreal. But also, like, how many other moments from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are you talking about? None. Especially right. the music ones. Uh-huh. You know, you talk about the fights that people have yeah, on stage sure. and your, the introductions or the gratitude or lack of gratitude. But as far as performances go, like, the, like that's one of the ones people talk about. That There are very mm-hmm. few others. So it's like he, know, he knew how to take his moments. Man, the Super, super Bowl. He knew how to take his moments. He starts the Super Bowl with a solo. Hey, he's just unreal. He's uh, yeah. just unreal. Unreal. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the other thing about him that's interesting is, of course, that he wrote for other people and he, you know, I mean, he was a guy who was still writing, like, you know, writing yeah. songs for other artists. Manic and, Monday. 
Yeah, nothing compares to you and right? all these songs. I mean, it's nothing compares to you is masterpiece. I mean, it is, isn't it? Yeah, but it also feels like it. Also, it, it was it. It's right in Sinead's hands. Yeah, it's right in Sinead's hands. Same with Manic Monday. I, Manic Monday is perfect for the band. Like, yeah, you can't really imagine Prince he, singing Manic Monday. No, and it, no, not that way. <laughs> no, <You know? laughs> not that way. I mean, he gave his songs to the right people. Yeah, he knew what he was up to, man. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know. Um, uh, longevity in any career is impressive, but to uh, to have had it as long as he's had it and kind of on his own terms, you know, and that whole thing where people made fun of the whole sign thing, and then you realize it was just a way to get out of his contract, and well, and also it just it, like now looking back at it, you're just like, oh God, I missed that. Yeah, like you were a proper, you know, like one one of those wonderful, you know, artist artists. You yeah. know, fuck the system artists. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that thing that you're saying about the replacements that obviously hurt them at each step, but is also the thing that makes you love them. So which much. Which is the idea of going, yes, of course you're meant to be, like often when I say a band, like I, I love occasionally when I see a band interviewed on television, like at a music festival or something like that, and they're incoherent and they're making jokes to each other and nobody's like really paying attention. Right. And you know, it's like one of those ones where everyone's going to get in trouble. Like, and I, all I think is... <laughs> Yes. Yes. You're dumb young guys in a band. Right. You don't and, need to have a corporate image or like a blah blah blah. Right. Just be in a band. Right. And they and 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 also this is actually happening. Right. Like this isn't canned. You and pre this is not a thing you repeat on a daily basis to everybody. You're fucked up. You don't know what you're doing. Like I think part of the charm and the part of the reasons the replacements were um um you know, Paul was enormously gifted. And then um but they also they yeah they just couldn't because you also realize how much stuff bands are asked to do like it's not like oh would you please go on Saturday Night Live right that was something that you wanted to but it was just the company parties and go here and play the set here and all that kind of stuff and sometimes you're like what is giving in I don't what what part is giving in and then you're like I don't know it's your own career how much are you going to give into your own career but then when their placements came back a couple years ago you know they had never played more than like a 15 or 2000 seater and then they were playing to you know some crowds were 14,000 people without a radio hit and you think man if they if they had a hit that's all people would be saying about them right they had no hit so it was only for the cool of the cool or the people that just loved them same with the pixies oh you don't have to do that thing where um, you're embarrassed about the hit like, you right. know, that's the other thing. Like, if you have the one hit, right? right? Like, I think people, like, come to hate their hit songs if they only have one. Because- I loved R.E.M. until Stand, and then I was like, we're done. We, we, you just broke up with me. I can't stand in the place where you, fuck you. I hate, I hate. You don't, oh my you God, don't I, like being told what to do, really, do you? I don't care for it. And Firstly, you don't like to stand still. And, like, secondly, then you're turning just in, yeah. just, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It come on. Don't, you don't tell me what to do, Michael Stipe. And and I don't even think they came upon that song disingenuously. It's just that that's when I, the sound just started to not agree with me. And also, like, I had done the footwork for them and for the replacements. I mean, I followed the replacements up and down the state. But I had gone to their shows when they were playing at places I could walk up and grab their legs. Like, right. I... I did the work. I bought their records sight unseen in a record store. So then when they got into a stadium, which they should, right. I felt betrayed. Of course. I was like, well, fuck, I'm not going to go to your stadium show. I've already, we've already know, we know each other on a more personal level. I'm not going to go do this. But at the same time, that's, you know, it just was weird because you, no, you did I, get close with but, a band. But I don't think that's weird because like the truth of it is that 
everybody's and this is the thing that we don't understand because we live in show business world right so we 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 speak so much of it through the idea of the business without actually thinking about what it is that we're actually doing which is every single person has a different relationship to your art and it has to do with where that who they are where they are in their life the time they listen to it or experience it right. like all 100%. these things can affect somebody's relationship with all these things to to think that there is one way you can identify you know what or where or you know whatever that is uh, there was a uh, the reason I'm thinking about this is uh, I had Chris Mancini on the podcast the other day and I was listening to a comedy film nerds episode where somebody had written in about the show changing and they were not happy about the way the show had right. changed and, and and which is totally their right but the the uh, the thing that i was saying to him was a it would be weird that after four years of doing it that the show hadn't changed because that would mean that you hadn't changed that's right 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 the, the very nature of doing the show means that the attitude because when they started doing the show there were two guys who just like movies now they're two guys who every week for four years have had to talk about movies by the very nature of that, you are going to think about movies in a different way. A hundred percent. But the other thing that the other person doesn't acknowledge and that sometimes, you know, it's what you're saying yeah. and it's what I'm saying, like, you know, about REM or about whatever the thing is, that sometimes you can just be like, okay, I'm okay that you went on and became REM. I wish you no ill will, but um, you're not for me anymore. And right. that's fine. Both right. of those things are fine. Right. I mean, I would you even You know, Michael say, Stipe, if you want to grow a beard and be rich and whatever, like, go for it, man. Like, you gave me some good times, but I'll hate you for a bit and then I'll let it go. <laughs> well, that's that's 100% in it. And I think the thing the thing with the replacements book was it, it, it literally just transported me back and reminded me of things I'd forgotten about just personally and where I was when the records came out and how much I how much they really mattered to me and how much I wanted so badly to be in some in part of some kind of thing like that and then the funny thing I was thinking about the other day was like you know the reason they they split up was they were all sick and you know from being fucked up all the time and 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 then they had taken this line that they were losers and they you know and when you know they weren't necessarily and and that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And Dave and I had a tiny bit of that at the podcast where eventually it was really good. And there were people towards the end of it. They were like, I like this in the beginning when you guys, fuck, it's only four years old. But but there was also that thing of like, I don't know how long we can take this line, you know, of of being losers. Right. Because it's happening <laughs> to me at least well and i mean I, it's I a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah, in some yeah. ways and i'm trying to entertain a small base of people that that love it but also it's not it like the replacements it stopped growing yeah. it stayed at a certain place not that i wanted to have nerdist or or or, or um uh, you know marin status but i would have liked it to be something that reached a broader audience so i could tour or i could get places or anything so for awareness, just even comedically. The whole reason I started it was so that people would know I was in comedy. And then right. I created something that rules a lot of people out. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. But my own, my own family can't listen to it. Right. You know? Um, so, it, so I sort of understood that kind of thing. But also, I don't know that it wasn't also the funniest in some, on some days I've ever been like truly, genuinely, hilariously funny because I didn't have to hold up a fucking whole thought. I could just say words or talk about colors or whatever because Dave would do that part of it. So something about chemistry too with a band when that changes, you feel like 
I don't know, man. This isn't the same. And I'm not trying to be a dick. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, uh, well, when you think about political, uh, sorry, about um, uh, musical artists, it's amazing how sometimes the idea of a band versus, so some bands are not really bands, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, the, right. the cure at this stage is is Robert Smith. Right. And for a very long time has pretty much, I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure you could find a whole bunch of like, you know, cure purists purists yeah. out there who would say well no the best cure lineup of all time was blah 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 but realistically like if if robert smith wrote the music and you know put it all together and is singing up the front that's a cure album right, right. he doesn't yeah. need to go solo to do anything that isn't his vision or whatever that's like, right that that's is right. His, his vision yeah and there are some bands or artists like tame impala to a certain degree is just the guy that the main guy that now there's yeah. a band but it's right. all this one guy right and if it was him doing whatever then that would still be tame impala right yeah there are other bands though that, like, you know what I mean? Like, well, when, I, when, I mean, it, when Axel's been out on the road with, like, you know, he's, you know, make, make believe Guns N' Roses, you know, Buckethead and all those guys that he was on the road with. And Tommy from The Replacements. Right. Oh, yeah. So that's, that wasn't Guns N' Roses. There's something about, like, Guns N' Roses being on stage together that 100%. is different to. 100%. But in that situation that you're talking about, see, if when it starts out, it, it usually is someone who starts it and, and, and is in control of one of the elements, either words or music or both. If you have a band like The Who where it's like, well, Pete really can't sing like Roger and Roger doesn't, can barely write his name, but he can sing Pete's lyrics better than Pete can sing them. Right. And then you're stuck together, right? Right. You know, there's that chemistry and you're like, you know, you found, you know, and then Moon got to be who he was and you were young and you weren't fucking, everyone was just trying to get through a show. Nobody was trying to, Nobody, unfortunately, sometimes musicians discover musicianship and then you're like, oh God, here we go. You know, they want to have add strings and they, you know, they learn different time signatures and all that kind of stuff. And then you're like, but that isn't the fire that created that thing. Right. But, but all you even, need is even three like, chords and the truth, even, man. And even, right. <laughs> three chords and the truth, man. Is that Marin? <laughs> so, so I feel like, I feel like, um, Guns N' Roses isn't in the same without Izzy because Izzy right. wrote the music, a lot of it, not all of it, and some mm -hmm. of the lyrics. And I feel like, for me, that's part of that collective. I know, and and Steven a little bit, but the drums, I don't know. I, I, yeah, maybe, but sometimes that original thing, you know, the replacements don't have a choice. The so one guy just will not tour with them ever again. And the and the original guitar player, both the guitar players are one's dead, one's in, you know, is paralyzed. So there's nothing they can do, and they tour just Tommy and and Paul. But but. Yeah, you're right. It's hard sometimes. Could they get a replacement band and call them the originals? Um, they could call them. I mean, I think that actually already exists. Oh. I, think there's, I think there's a few replacement, replacement bands. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, I'm certainly, I'm certain there are. I'm certain there are. I mean, just because I, it's the first time I thought of it doesn't mean it's the first time anybody did. I bet two weeks after they started, somebody said, I'm going to be the replacement replacement. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, we yeah, should have been. Okay, we they were originally called the impediments, right. and there was already an impediments. So they were the replacements. You know, because but, it was a replacement name. Is that really true? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. At a gig. And so, and one of the things I think also like there is that time in your life where you have time to dedicate to a band. You have the time in your life to, or at least, and I think now it's podcasts or maybe it's, I think it's different now. I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, it's not true. I see big, you know, you're at Coachella. 
you know, what are they, what's everyone doing in that one tent? Like, what, you know, who's the guy that's, who's the band out there that's somebody's life or the DJ that's somebody's life? Like somebody out there is somebody's, I can't wait to see them again. I'm going, I follow them everywhere. There has to be, that still has to go on in the world. I just don't know about it. No, yeah, no. I mean, of course it happens. Like, I mean, and I think it happens. I mean, I, I, I'm going to um, uh, Spain uh, first week of June. Uh, to go to a music festival over there called uh, Primavera Sound. Uh-huh. And it's like Glastonbury, but instead of like grass, Glastonbury where like you're in a muddy field in England, right. instead you're on a sunny beach in Spain. Oh my so God, that just felt like insane. a better option to yeah, me. Didn't it? Uh, also, they um, start the bands, instead of starting them at like sort of midday and they play through the day, which we all know is like, you can see some of the best bands in the world, but if you see them at three o'clock in the afternoon in the sun, it takes some of the magic away, right? It's yes. a nighttime sport. Yes, because the... Because and also, yeah, because the the darkness provides a ceiling. Right. Otherwise, it feels like you're out on a sea of nothing. I mean, it is sort of like a comedy club. Like at least there's at least it lowers the ceiling in a weird way, right? Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. So um, they start the bands. The first bands go on at six. So they basically sleep all day, and then also because of the heat and you're on the beach and whatever, they right. play all night through the night. So well, that's incredible. So a that's incredible by itself. But B, the reason that we're going is because Radiohead are playing and because right. when Radiohead are on a tour, at some stage on that tour, I am going to go and see them right. like more than once, but hopefully, what, on that tour. But what is the band, but Radio, I mean, at this point, Radiohead's been around for a long time. I mean, Tommy Stinson pointed out when they, were, when the, when the, when they, when they got, Guns N' Roses got back together, he goes, you know, I was in that band for 17 years. Right. <laughs> I was in Guns N' Roses too for 17 years. Like yeah. it was a long time. He played on... Chinese democracy at least 90 times the same parts like he was like man it just got fucking weird it originally was an okay record man wasn't bad given that none of the original guys were there but then it got wow so who is like who is it that people follow now I mean who's who who seems like they're gonna have that kind of longevity that like my kids will go I, I remember them when I was 14 and they're still around when my kids are 20 or what, how old? I mean, you know, how 25, 30 years old. Like, what is who's that band? I mean, that's an interesting question that, that I'm oh, or not does that sure. even need to exist anymore? Because people like so many different things, they don't have to sign up for one. I mean, you used to, de- I mean, th- this guy wrote this amazing article about how you used to define yourself by your taste in music if music was your thing, and then you then you were in a subset, you were and you were either punk or you weren't, you either like metal right. or you didn't, but you didn't like metal and Michael Jackson. Who the fuck were you? Yes, of course you did, but you didn't tell anybody, right? You defined yourself by a certain group. And then maybe you had some cassettes. Maybe the Go-Go's cassette was under the seat of the car, and then you hit the brakes too fast, and cassette comes out, and your friends go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Nothing. That's my sister's. (laughs) It's mine. It's mine. It's my Go-Go's cassette. Vacation. Just shot out from underneath the seat while we're listening to Molly Hatchet. I get it. I know. It's like like that I can uh, pretty... I can pretty confidently put my iPod on shuffle. Like if, if if we're backstage at a club, yeah, and they're like, "Oh, hey, do you want some? Like, do you have any music?" I could easily just put my thing in on shuffle, and it'll play mostly like you know, uh, old school hip hop or like sort of modern hip hop, all fine for pre-show music. And then just randomly, every now and again, you will get Justin Timberlake belting something out. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. But I like I like a Jay Timbles jam. Uh, I have watched uh, that song Mirrors that he did a couple of years ago. Yeah. I have watched on YouTube every live performance of that that is has That's been amazing. recorded and put on YouTube. That's amazing. That's <laughs> I, went, I went down a little JT hole one night. Yeah. We, oh, sh- uh, we share a birthday too, so I feel like we have an affinity. Yeah. 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 I, I, yes, I have been, I've been on YouTube quite a bit 
quite a bit because I, after the book, which I, I already mentioned 35 times now, um, I started looking up what kind of old footage was around. And then I wanted to see, then I found this really interesting thing. There was like a website where people have collected all the bootlegs of every single replacement show ever. And all the bootlegs from every show I've ever been to were, are up there. I, I, and so really? I listened to a couple of my- Two oh shows my you were at. Two shows I was at. And oh, then I would go- Awesome. All I can remember is they played the Beach Boys, but I might've made that up because mm. I can't remember. Yep, there it is. Beach Boys. Holy fuck. I remember my own life. Like it's a weird confirmation that you remember the experience well enough that like some of the specifics are real because especially bands that you've seen a bunch, you kind of melt, the shows kind of melt together. It's hard, you know? But- um. Yeah, the, I I go down the, the I get on that YouTube thing too, and I go for a while. It's I think it's just a different you know pop culture dis, is disseminated in a different way, but unfortunately, I feel like that it doesn't gather tribes as much as it used to, well, unless it's a collective of we all are going to Coachella. But well, you know what the thing about it is though. Here's what I would say: is that we have this early version of if you like this, you would like this. Right, it's that's what Netflix works on, or iTunes, or any of those things. So if you look at a clip underneath afterwards, it'll say, "Well, people who like this one also liked this," right. and this is how people, I think, find their connections between things a lot more now. You know, I like this movie, and it right. says, "I'll like this other movie," right? right? Whereas instead, in the old days, that was still happening, but you would go to a record shop where you knew the guy who was giving, right. and so you would assess. Sometimes it's like. Like if there's a good movie reviewer who just doesn't have your taste, that's almost as handy as someone who does have your taste. Because if you can consistently go, oh, if this guy really liked this movie, I know that I'm going to hate it. Or if this guy really loved it, yeah, I, right. hated it, right, I know right, that right. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. I mean, right. And also you, but also you did it in, at least when I was a kid, like there would be one guy in your right. group of friends that was like the curator they're the guy that first guy that brought never mind the bollocks or whatever had the first 999 record or whatever if and andy like, oh buck God. hadn't given me a cassette tape that on one side one side had uh the first beastie boys and on the other side had the first run dmc album that was like my i mean that's it that's wouldn't it. happen without that yeah right right exactly wouldn't Somebody happen without to. his older sister joanna buck who lived in america see that's that's so, great I mean, that's <laughs> yeah I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm sure people are having fine experiences and their lives are all good and they don't miss the thing they don't, didn't experience. But right. it's just, I'm always just curious about, because it was so defining for me growing up and the way that I approached everything from my clothes to my, to my, um, just my way of life. And also that, that, that like, um, there was a very, I, I was very in, in touch, I think subtextually with the shoot yourself in the foot thing of like getting good enough, but then not wanting to cave at some right. point, having some weird idea of who the man was. Like it, it's a non-existent entity that you find out really just belongs in your head. And it's what you rather, it's what you're going to do when you're asked to do a certain show right. or a, you know, a thing, you know, there is no man out there. There is no man. There's no man. There really isn't a man. You know, there's just people that go, well, you're worth money to me because you've made yourself worth money. You want to make some money? And then you're like, you used to make money. You don't really make money anymore. You, I like you. I, I, you can't do anything for me and I can't do anything for you. And that's the relationship in a commercial sense. Right. You know, it isn't, you know, sometimes somebody loves you enough to help you out. But for the most part, they're just, they're growing plants. You know, they're just growing <laughs> plants. They already fucking pulled you out, dude. Right. Can't regrow you. <laughs> <laughs> Might be able to repurpose you, but they can't regrow you. Right. You know? <laughs> Hopefully it'll turn from a plum into a prune because people can still eat a prune. <laughs> that's my that's my show business philosophy. That's what you are. What did you let me? I want to ask okay, you because ask I, because me. I saw so ask when I was in Ohio, I was one of those movies. It was one of those clubs where there was a movie. You know, it was like a, literally a. It was like the Grove. It's like you know they're putting up mini groves all over America. Uh -huh. So it was a um, 
Kings, uh, Kingstown province in Ohio. Uh-huh. I think I got that right. So I got access to the theater. So the first thing I saw was Deadpool because I it was Deadpool. I didn't have a chance to see it. And did you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved it. I loved yeah. it every second. It was good, right? Yeah, I had a great time. Finally, it was, like, it, was, it was like they figured out a way to make every single Ryan's. It literally like they made every single Ryan Reynolds movie they could in one. He was a heartthrob. He was an asshole. He was a jock. He was ugly. He was good looking. There was a romantic lead part. He was wise ass. He was like it was like every. From fucking well, uh, but, yeah, uh, but I've always Van Wilder on. I've always had this theory about Ryan Reynolds is that he is a jack of all trades, master of none. Like as in, like he, you know, he's never been able to carry a thing in the way that people have potentially thought they had. That's right. Because he's not quite funny enough to be like a funny, funny guy, but he's very funny. Yes. And he's not quite sexy enough to be like a sexy, sexy guy, even though he is very sexy and he yeah. isn't quite macho enough yeah. to be. But like this. Yeah. Where he, where the strength is that he is all of those things. Yes. Yeah. You built something yes. perfectly. For and his he does skills. have a. He has a. He's good at being arch, which is a hard thing yeah. to be. And that's a. And that's a real. That's a real tribute to like, and for him to vacillate from each thing, to go from one scene into the other with it, you know, with it playing it, you know, for real, and then being completely. You know, when the fourth wall breaks, the fourth wall thing, you know, like, I, I thought it was great. I know. Well, I think part of it, the, the reason that some of his other stuff doesn't work, like why some of his comedy stuff did work early on, but why some of his other stuff hasn't wor- been as, as successful for me, at least, is the idea that I always feel like he's talking to the people at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yes. so like you always have this sense that he was almost like winking at the camera in like, you know, that two girls, a guy and whatever yes. and in that early stuff. And that's ben what you kind of like. Same thing. Yeah. You know, but you, that you can't really transition. But this, where he is actually then just talking to us at home, you're like, yep, no, well, that feels very natural to you because yeah. it always felt like you were talking to us. I, exa- I 100%. 100%. And I think that's just being Canadian. They can't connect to anything, so they have to wink. Right. Um, they seem nice, but they're evil. Uh, and that's so my Canadian friends out there. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was, um, I thought it was particularly good. And especially because when I first moved here or when I was, when I was first down here, uh, my writing partner and I wrote this script and it got us a little bit of notice. It was about a progressive rock band from the middle of the, or not middle earth, but the middle of this earth. And uh, and they'd come to the surface to take over the world with their molten rock and roll. It was a really weird movie, but uh-huh. we were asked to adapt Deadpool. We were one of the, and so oh. this is how I met Jerry Duggan. And like, I went to the comic book store where he worked. And I didn't know who he was, and I yeah. asked for Deadpool, and he was like, "Fuck, you're another one of those guys that wants to." You know, I mean, we were among many writers who were asked to like take a crack at it. Sure. And I remember taking it home and going, "You don't make this into a movie." How do you the fuck do you make this into a movie? I mean, you remember there was there was there wasn't even the, there wasn't there was just Michael Keaton's Batman at that point, right? Right. That was like the, the I don't even think maybe Spider Man had happened, maybe maybe Tobey Maguire had happened, yeah, probably Tobey Maguire had happened, but it hadn't. I was like, I don't even know how you would. I have no idea, and I wouldn't write it because I I'm coming to it late and it isn't. I, you have to live this. You have to know this character so inside and out because it was just complicated. And they did a great job, I think, of turning the comic book, which is so bizarre into a movie so then i went to the batman superman movie which i'm sure you talked about ad infinitum but i haven't well, talked about fir- it with you firstly this is what i will say to anybody who is going to complain about the fact that this is the 19th conversation i've had about this 
Firstly, what podcast do you think you're fucking listening to? Yeah. Did you not think that they were going to be? Yeah. And you haven't them? heard him discuss it with Greg Barrett. And Greg Barrett is, is uh, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I this don't is talk my- about it all the time because it, it sort of wills per view. But I, I, was a Batman, I was a Batman fan. as a, I passed out the first time I saw the actual Batmobile. I was with my parents and my dad and we came around the corner and I fell down. I was like, I can't. I can't even go near it. It's the real Batmobile, and I can't the you know the the the, the yeah, TV from the TV I show. I know one. So anyway, um, but there was so much negative about it that I was like, I'd read so many bad things about. It. I was like, it'll never be as bad as half the tweets that, that I. Right. Well, because it couldn't be. It no. couldn't possibly uh-uh. be as bad no. as people who told you that it was going to be. No. Like, when I went in, you'll enjoy this. Like, I went in to see it. It was opening night of my Melbourne show, right? Yeah. And I went to the like the fancy cinemas where, you know, they serve you food and alcohol and stuff during the movie because I was like, I know it's long, but I'm just going to enjoy my day before my opening night of my show. Yeah. I'm going to have a drink. I'll relax in my chair. It's like it's nice. It's out of the sun, you know. And I, and I know that I won't like it. But, you know, it'll be, you know, entertaining enough, you know. And as I go in, the the woman who's like, yeah, showing me to my seat says, um, oh, I, I'm sure you're really going to enjoy it. And I actually said to her, I said, oh, I'm not going to. So I went in with that. Like yeah. I went in with this idea of like I, I've, I've bought a ticket, I'm here. Yeah. And I don't have any expectations. So it couldn't be possibly be that bad, could it, Greg? I mean, I don't I – didn't, I didn't think it was – I didn't think it was as bad. Here was the thing. <laughs> it got to the point where there were like people going, one of the things that, one of the things I didn't like about Superman was how many people died in the first one. Right. That I, and I like Henry Cavill. And the reason I like Henry Cavill was I watched man from uncle. I went, this motherfucker can act. He's great. Right. And he should be the next bond. And let's stop worrying so much about Superman. That was my feeling. Okay. Firstly, Idris Elba should be the next bond. But uh, secondly, that is the politically correct thing. No. To say. Have you ever watched Luther? His yeah, TV I love show. It. I love yeah. He should I love be the it. next James Bond. I love it. He's brilliant. Anyway. Um, but I agree with you on Henry Cavill. And I'll tell you who agrees with you. Justin Hamilton has been in my ear the whole time about the, Henry yeah. Cavill has a good Superman in him. Yeah. I, Look, I, Idris Elba would be amazing. I love him. I like Daniel Craig. I don't. I didn't trip out about those things either. They got gradually better from Roger Moore. Right. Roger Moore just came in long in the seventies. It was everybody's fault. Nobody knew what they were doing. And by the way, the big movies that during then were the Smoking the Bandit movies. Right. You have to remember the context of the world. Burt Reynolds was a big deal, so they had to make James Bond like, well, fuck. I mean, it's got to be kind of clownish or whatever, because that's what the world fucking likes. Burt Reynolds is the biggest star in the world right now, so he's going to have to have a fat guy with a pig also with him. Right. So anyway, also, who are we to judge? Because we like made you know spent three hundred million dollars on a movie about Ant Man. You know, we live in our own age. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. So, um, although I kind of, I thought that movie was no, cute. No, I'd like that uh, as well. I'm right? not, I'm not, I'm not anti-Ant Man. I'm not anti-Man. I'm not. You know why I loved about it? Barksdale from uh, The Wire was in it. Ah. I love him. Yeah, I, I always love. It's interesting every time you see somebody from The Wire crop up in something else. I always find it fascinating what? because you, you're like, oh. Like, because that show was so naturally acted, I guess that's what it is. It always feels like they've cast, like, someone from a documentary in a movie. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I, I just find myself rooting for them so much because I feel right. like the, the pleasure I got out of the show, those people should be rewarded for a lifetime. They should be handed roles by everybody. And I can only imagine everybody who makes something is excited to get somebody from The Wire to say they have somebody from The Wire, ask them about The Wire because they right. got the guy from The Wire. But then they're also like, is he going to read as the guy from The Wire? Maybe they won't think of him as just the other character because right. the guy from The Wire. Well, that's what I always think. I always think of like, oh my God, like that that junkie works in a video store now or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I always... and that boxer, got, that boxer dies in the first season. Right. <laughs> Sorry. But you don't know. Anyway. 
But I am. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I went in with. I had read things like Batman doesn't shoot guns and blah yeah. blah blah. And then I was like, right, but it happened in a dream sequence. Sure. The gun. Sh- most of the gun shooting is in a dream sequence, so it didn't really. He didn't I really mean, shoot not, guns. Not, it, not most of it, to be honest. There's, yeah, that big shooting. Scene, I mean, there is a big that's shooting a huge scene, but like that. he's shot the guns gun a on couple the of times. and some other times yeah. where he's shooting guns. <laughs> but he doesn't kill anybody with them. He just I mean, fires he, them. He murders a lot of people with his car a lot. Like there's a lot of Batman. I don't, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> and by proxy, when he bra- so, no, when he brands so, the people and they uh, then yeah, get beaten to death in, and killed in prison and stuff. No, but let me ask you that's something: still is that, Are there somebody. any comic books on which that is based off? Yeah, 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 I mean, like in that whole Frank Miller sort of Dark Knight run, like the idea of a Batman who has been Batman for too long and has forgotten the rules of. Yeah. what it means to be Batman. I See, the thing that... My, I have a range of problems with the the film that other people have heard me bang on about, so I won't yeah, bang yeah. on Yeah, I'll about. ask you off air, but, but, I, but I am... Because but, I really am curious. But the, I, there's some ingredients in this film, if I wanted to say something positive, that you could have made a really, really good movie That's out what of. I kept thinking for both of them, but mostly for, for Batman. I just right. felt like this is not the way to put... Off the back of the first one, the, like the thing you said about everyone dying, right, for example, mm-hmm. like the way that they dealt with it in Batman versus Superman, where there's those three scenes in a row... Where where they're like, oh, they're having a fight in the city. Oh, it's okay. After it's after nine p.m., everyone's gone home. You know how everyone goes home from the city at nine p.m. Right. Uh, oh, except the homeless. Let's think sl- about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're not people. <laughs> I made it political. <laughs> yeah. Apart from this guy setting up his mattress on the street. Oh well, there, yeah, you, go. there you go. This is an Ayn Rand dream, apparently. Yeah, we're gonna have to burn those mattresses anyway. So you yeah, know how Superman that. got good because of libertarianism. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and we don't need a superwoman. You just need a superwoman. Don, should be a- redundant. <laughs> but I did like the idea that they addressed that. I mean, like, you know, it's like, how are they going to, how are they going to keep him from just flying him into the sun? Right? right. How are they going to keep him? Oh, okay. He doesn't want to kill, you know, he's resisting. He's trying to. Okay. But I think they should have done more with that again. So he, like the thing I would say about those ingredients is you could have dealt with the carnage of the first one. Right. By, you know, when you come into this movie, you have Superman doing his absolute best to like save everyone, right? Because that would actually be Superman's response to the idea that, you know, in that fight, all those people got killed. Yeah. You would but suddenly have a Superman who was so haunted by the idea that he couldn't save everyone that day yeah. that he was going out of his way to save everybody. So that's where it should have started, with him like trying his best to kind of rebuild his reputation. Some people think he's a hero. Some people think he's a villain. You know, he still can't save everyone because the nature of being Superman is that you can't save everyone. That's the thing. That, right. The thing that Zack Snyder has never got about Superman. Well, Zack Snyder, like the only person in the entire movie who hates Superman more than Lex Luthor or Batman is Zack Snyder. Like <laughs> Zack Snyder, like he's the real he's the evil villain, villain behind it's this. It's so funny because, again, I hate to bang it back to the fucking replacements, but he made the first Paul Westerberg interviews and there's a shot of Westerberg making a video and he's like, I mean, he's fucking, tw- you know, 19 years old he's like here's the director and this little Zack snyder turns and waves and you know made a fucking horrible paul westerberg video too so he can fuck himself but i don't my thing about that stuff always and i guess i guess because so i would say it's different i i love batman i've read a lot of it i read the frank miller i follow it but i don't it's not legion for me i'm not like i'm not like i i can come and go with it sure i always had that thing of like green army men like when you play with green army men do you fucking really set up Vietnam? What war is it? Make sure you go back to the origin of the war. Who started it? I sure. Green Army men, you shoot each other, right? They just make up a thing. So I think people get these, these characters to play with. 
And everyone plays with them differently. Just like Shakespeare plays are set in different times and frameworks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Even though they're the same fucking play, right? Sometimes it's Nazi Germany. Sometimes they do it at the beach. And sometimes it's supposed to be like it was in that time period. So I always go, you know what? This is just a different play about Batman and Superman. It's just somebody else's take on it. You know what oh, I mean? And there I'm- is no... You to know, extend your analogy, though, here's what I would say. I totally agree with you. Right. Do whatever you want with the characters, but here's what I would argue against if you were making a movie with the analogy of the little green soldiers. Yeah. Is whatever battle it is that you are constructing, right. the rules should be work. You can't have one, like a lot of people who are fighting it with like, you know, uh, AK-47s and the other lot have still got like boomerangs or whatever. Yeah. Like there's got to be a consistency within the nature of the world right. about how right. things work. No, I agree right? with that. I agree with that. And, and so that idea that 100%. if Batman and Superman have a fight. So this is where you start, right? If you want to call the movie Batman versus Superman, you've got to have a reason for Batman. Am I making you repeat yourself? No, I'm trying to, okay, okay, I, I'm okay, trying okay. to talk. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm fascinated with this and I really wanted to talk to you about it on or off air. But also because you're more positive about it than I am, it gives me an opportunity to talk about like what I think they, like what they had that I, right. they could have right. really made work, right? right? So you've got Batman versus Superman. You've got to go, okay, well, if Batman has a fight with Superman, like, like you said, Batman loses immediately. If all things other are equal, there is no way that Superman doesn't beat Batman in a fight, right? right. So then you go, well, what, how do you get Batman to beat Superman in a fight, right? Well, the only things that Superman uh, is in, like, has a problem with are kryptonite, which is always boring, as it proved in this movie. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go to kryptonite, it's fucking boring. Yeah, because it's a deus ex machina. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a flying machine. It doesn't yeah. exist. doesn't exist. Right. <sighs> Right, it's always got to be convoluted to get it. Right, and which is the central, how it, which is which is how long does it last for? And uh, I mean, none and of it certain has amounts of it and what amount is. Well, that's what I mean. Which one kills him? And, yeah. So you so you never know how long it's going to last for. Right. So there's no dramatic that's tension been, that's at any been, stage. That's been the fault in the terrible. comic book. Yeah. Of the whole of the character, even right, because that's and this is my argument would be people who don't understand Superman think his greatest weakness is kryptonite, whereas Superman's greatest weakness is that he wants to save human lives at all time. So when you're in a fight or whatever with Superman, you've got to make him choose between you know having the fight with you or saving that group of people in that building that you just you know blew up, right. or you put even more interestingly him in a peril between two things because that this is how you could have started the movie like this second movie superman's trying to make up for all the carnage and whatever but the truth of it is that if he's in ethiopia saving somebody there's something happening in new york and whatever and so that idea that he has to prioritize between two things right is interesting you know because he wants his love interest or whatever it is his mom right and then a village yeah but more ridiculously in this movie the article that he hadn't written like, you know, they remember that like running yeah. joke about the, I was like, literally he's a man with super speed. Like Superman would just get this, who is this fucking stupid man? Like just be really quickly write an article. So he stops bothering you about this fucking article right. and then get back right. to whatever you're fucking doing. Right. Walking around slowly. Yeah. And when you're saving people hovering yeah. in the air ages so that Zack yeah. Snyder can get a really good shot yeah. instead of taking that time to save more people. But anyway. Right. right. I- <laughs> No, I, but, but okay. So here's what I was going to say. Okay. So you've got to either put humans in peril. Uh, you've got to put. Um, uh, you've got to use kryptonite, or you've got to have a misunderstanding, which is what is at the heart of this movie, right? Is this misunderstanding that Batman? Like the idea that you're meant to think is that Batman's gone. There's this super alien who's come to Earth. We don't know if he's for good or for evil. So we need to, 
take him out. Now, I would argue that perhaps in the world they've created, Batman might also go, although there were those evil super aliens and this super alien seems to be on our side. So maybe we should keep him around for at least until we know there's no more evil super aliens because if we kill this guy, anyway, whatever, let's not get bogged down that hole, right? But you could have had the misunderstanding where Batman sometimes wants to kill Superman, but Superman doesn't like doesn't want to be doesn't want to kill Batman, and they explored that kind of in that fight. That was the best, but that was the that best. That was the bit. best part of the whole. That was the best bit. I'll agree. And they I'll completely miss. They, they kind of yeah. like it's like they put one foot. They just didn't know. Right. They just did that in the same way as they did everything else. And you're like, that's the best bit. And I think if we look at it, then because every single one of these characters of both universes come with their own set of rules, but the ones that we respond to the most are the ones where it's clearly a man who's operating machinery or his brain, but nothing more. And is, and I mean, Batman probably should be dead more often than not. His suit somehow becomes, you know, bulletproof, but, but Iron Man is an unrepentant, you know, fucking arms dealer right. who's had a chain, you know, of faith is a, a, a crisis of faith and now just operates a machine. And I think the reason people responded to it was that guy I get, I get that guy, that right. guy's, that guy could be me. I could get on. He's, he's wearing, his gloves are fucking, his whole thing is a suit and it's a piece of armor. Well, he's a, logic. you know what he is? I mean, essentially Iron Man is flying Trump. He's flying Trump. Right. I mean, that's all he is. Like if Trump had a good, like, you know, if Trump was good at building machinery, he could be Iron Man. And cared about humanity. Well, I mean, but the thing about Tony Stark is like, it, it could always go either way with that's Tony Stark. That's what's so great about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's a great flawed character. And that's right. also human and understandable. I mean, that's why we like Don Draper. Couldn't be a worse person. But right. he's, a, he's a victim of his circumstances and the world he grew up in and the, and the way the rules were and then how they changed. And then they changed around him. Does he adapt or does he not? You know? It's it's fascinating in in the same way a superhero thing is. So when you have too many, you know, Thor, or uh, you know, and then when they started, I was like, oh my god, please don't that underwater guy is going to get a movie. Oh my god, yeah. like those were such unclimat. You know, you're like, oh my god, you're putting it up against this other universe. It's people are people are fucking the viral Spider Man's at the end of the trailer. It goes viral, right? And then they're like the Aquaman. Like I, it's the, the best Aquaman has ever been is a joke in in fucking you know. The movie about the guys that live here in Hollywood. Uh, Entourage. Entourage. Yeah, but I mean, well, the thing about Aquaman, like, firstly, what a terrible way to introduce your other characters in this just, like, wasted scene where Lex Luthor's, you know, put together, like, a little file about them all. Yeah. But secondly, like, Aquaman is clearly holding his breath. <laughs> uh, like, clearly. Like, the still of it. I looked it up afterwards, and he's, and, like, some other people have noticed it as well. But he's clear. Yeah. You couldn't even get a shot of him not... Because here's the one thing I know that Aquaman doesn't do. Hold his breath. Doesn't no, have to. No, Because no, if he does, I mean, you know what? If he does, that's an Aquaman movie I want to see. The Aquaman guy has to keep going back right. up for air. Hang on. <laughs> Where the fuck did he go? Go, ship. I don't have much air. There he is. <laughs> oh, my God. That's incredible. I didn't think about that. That's hilarious. Yeah. My interest in that. And then, and then I, don't, I don't even know who, who else. Oh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. I like that actress. I thought she was pretty great. Yeah, she's great. Um, mm -hmm. And her bit in the fight was okay, I thought. Like, because I didn't yeah. think the fight, I thought the fight was pretty underwhelming as well for yeah. a, a movie. Because this is the thing if you'd done that um, Batman versus Superman thing properly, where Superman doesn't want to hurt 
Batman because yeah. he understands there's been a misunderstanding if you'd really yeah. played it that way yes. versus Batman going all out to kill Superman, right? Yeah. Is you could have made one of the most spectacular fight scenes of all time because think about it. Think yeah. about Batman throwing everything at Superman right. in a fight that Superman doesn't want to hurt Batman. Yeah. That, that could have been one of those great you know, cinematic screen fights. Right. Anyway, but instead of whatever. Instead and, they, and so what do you – so now that Affleck owns the suit for a while, does that – does that feel okay to you? Or yeah, no? I, I didn't think he was. Uh, I, I didn't think he was the worst part of the movie. I thought he mm-hmm. did. Uh, I didn't think he played the evil, tortured Batman who's been Batman too long, as well as probably needed for what they'd set up there. But I thought the rest of what he did in was... the comic book. I recall that Superman was like a super patriot too. Like they made him almost seem like a Republican. Right. Like they made him, I, as I remember it, they, they made him, it was a pretty absurd. Well, it was about take. truth, justice in yeah. the American way. Right, right. So it was like really, he'd really like, I, it was just more, he was, there was a fascism attached to it in a way that made you, made him a much more evil person than they made him in this, where he was just misunderstood that he was just trying to be awesome all the time. But also in, <laughs> bro- he was so broody and like. Anyway, or whatever. Like, let's. Could could you explain to me? This is the, th- the question I like to ask people. Could you explain to me <clears throat> what Lex Luthor's plan was? N- no. No. No, I didn't understand no. it. And I didn't it, no. see. His, no. Did you understand what his motivation was for what he was doing and why no. he? No. Why that was the way he did it. No, we just. It, I think the whole thing was just leading. It was an origin story for his hair. Right. <laughs> That's all it was. We just had to get to that fucking haircut at the end. That was it. It was all an origin story, and they had a completely miscast but lovely. I mean, I, he's one of my favorite actors, Jesse Eisenberg. He can yeah, get me to feel actor. bad about. He can make, he, he has he creates such empathy, and he can also. And I think he can be. I thought he was good at being evil, but he wasn't. It just was a wrong. There were a that lot was of a, yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. choices made. Yeah, yeah. It like was, A, that he did it, but B, that n- everyone around him didn't just go, is this, 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 you're doing this bit for the whole thing? This is. No, I know all anybody said is like, they're going to make 10 of these if you want. I mean, you'll be the guy. You'll, you know, the money, you can finance all those. We're going to make an origin story of your haircut. Yeah. It's going to be a really long time. Well, up until then. I thought maybe there was some sort of, they were trying to get that, maybe thinking of the Suicide Squad to get, I don't I know. mean, that would be I nice. I, I like the idea that if it was called Batman versus Superman, yeah. colon, origin of hair. Yeah, I'd be. I'd, I would have been yeah. like, oh, or, or just hair story, hair story, <laughs> yeah, color story, hair story, the hair story, yeah. How I got bald? Oh. I got balded, dude. <laughs> like just, yeah. It was really like that was it. It was a hair origin story. So that was it. It was all just to get to the haircut at the end. So if you haven't seen the movie, he. Uh, that's the only part I'll give away. Lex right. Luthor. Yeah, you're like I thought he didn't have hair. Yeah. Well, wait for it. What's the big What's yeah. the big twist of the end? You have to sit through a lot of confusing horseshit, right. and also, but then wasted. There was some good cinema stuff right. in there. There was some nice. There were, the looks were good. Sure. You know, I don't think you should be as old as your butler, or look like you guys have three or four years apart from each other. That was weird. And yeah. also, Alfred. Uh, when did Alfred hate Bruce Wayne? I don't know. Like I mean, that because they hated him. Yeah. No, I know. Hated. I mean, I love the guy that plays him in the Gotham. I like him as a young man. Oh, yeah. They make him a young. He's just uh-huh. a young. He's, you know, he's fucking looking out for the kid. He's right. great. And then, you know, that's another thing they've played with a lot, you know, mm. but I, at least it lives in a world that I understand. And they've homaged a couple of the Batman things. And right. I feel like, okay. 
Yeah, you don't like that either, but we don't have time. No, we don't have time. Uh, it's been nice to have you here, though. Oh, it's always good to see you. Uh, I, 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 we were going to uh, talk briefly, and it's as good a time as any to talk briefly about it because I'm going to do a plug. Um, uh, I'm going to plug uh, my gigs in Perth next week. So uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week, I will be doing my free will. Uh, sorry, not free will. That was last year. I will be doing my Fire at Will show, which is the tour I've been doing all around Australia uh, for the last uh, eight weeks or so. So it's already been to obviously Adelaide, Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, Sydney, and uh, uh, Perth is. The last uh, stop on the tour so um three shows only wednesday thursday friday next week there are some tickets still available so please come out see that um it's my favorite show that i've ever done i uh had a great time doing it uh, on tour and in melbourne during the comedy festival i did it the other night at uh nerd melt here out oh, the yeah. back How and well the interesting thing about it is that i wrote like a show that a lot of things in it were like a straight like yeah, a, straight a, up australian straight up australian yeah yeah of course but I kind of, I, so I was doing this show the other night and I kind of was like, will I change those bits or will I just, because I, my gut instinct was that most of the stuff, like all the ingredients are in the jokes. Because even if I'm not, even if I'm going to tell a joke about Australia to an Australian audience, right. I don't assume that everybody in that audience is Australian. Yes. And I also don't assume that everybody in the audience has the, the same Australian life experience. Right, 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 right. Like, you know, all the important information should be in the joke. But you never have a measure of how much cultural specificity or understanding of cultural um, context means to a joke. So yes. even though technically the ingredients are here, will it work out of context? I can tell you, having gone to Australia, no, not always. Well, of course not. Like, yeah, I mean, right. And it's, that's what you would naturally think. And you're like, but this is a joke. It makes sense. It's like I've said, this right. one's red and this one's green. It makes, right? Like, it should, this should come together. And it doesn't. And you're like, but I've told you. Like I've even made comparisons. Right. You can understand. I think sometimes they're like, I know you're just talking about something. Or, I don't or know. we get it, but we, we don't have it. the same cultural resonance with it or we don't understand. Like I can tell, right. I can tell you that Hungry Jack's <clears throat> Is Burger King in Australia, and they have a tagline on their advertisements that say the burgers are better at Hungry Jacks. So that when later I am talking about uh, a person in a burka and being in a McDonald's having this thing, I can say the burgers are better at Hungry Jacks, and I can explain that to you. Right. But if it I have the weight of having lived with it or always right, seen it or and being able to drop a, it or not, that, yeah, explain that, that's it, a, that's a, yeah, of and. But I thought with the show mostly, and the thing about the Nerd Melt shows is like, you know, traditionally like a lot of the people who come are Australians anyway. So I, I went out there at the start and I asked everybody, I said, you know, and it was about half and half, like so about half, you know, half Americans, half Australians. Yeah. And uh, so I said to them, I said, well, this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And I said, but I basically, I said, look, this is basically for the Americans. I think that 95% of this you will completely understand. And there may be like, you know, five or six you know, other things that like people in the audience are laughing at, but you don't get. And that's what it's like to be anyone other than American watching anything. <laughs> because that's what it's like to be an Australian. Yeah. We grew up watching your Seinfelds or your Woody Allen movies or whatever. And it's not until you, like, I mean, as I said to Gareth, to give the example, I said, for five years, maybe 10 years, I knew in America there was something that you know, I'd seen 15 different takes on jokes about where something broke through a wall and said, oh, yeah. Because that thing had been, but you, I could have, I didn't know what it was. Right, 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 like right. I, I literally yep. did not know the thing that, yep. like I knew that there was a thing. Yes. 
yes. that it happened because right. it was being parodied in yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, no. I but mean, I had no fucking idea what it was. I mean, if still you go and you watch Monty Python's, it's rife with stuff that right. you're like, I don't know what that imitation is. For funny though, he's imitating somebody. I don't know right. what it means. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, th- that cultural sort of thing of trying to make it work but i i had a really good time with it and i I think thanks to everybody who came out i do really genuinely appreciate that that was very cool so yeah um next week in perth and if you like this podcast um uh, or any of the podcasts in my now ever expanding podcast empire uh you can listen to tofop uh with charlie and myself uh this is fofop they're on separate feeds now there is philosophy which is my uh long form interview podcast which uh greg has previously done an episode of and uh there's a brand new episode that came up this week with a Oh, uh, well, a comedian and adult film star called Sovereign Sire. Do you know who Sovereign Sire is? I don't. No, I had. I, I don't. I hadn't either, uh, previous to. I mean, in <clears throat> comedy or. New to comedy. I've yeah. been doing it for about six months, yeah. but uh, it came to my show the other night yeah. and uh, had. I, I don't really, you know, in those great traditions of things where I think it was through when I had Marin on the podcast, she knew Marin and then she started listening or whatever. Yeah. But anyway. Amazing podcast. Like her, she started doing like adult work in her thirties as kind of like a thought experiment oh, slash art. Yeah, yeah. She's like, it's I mean, her, God, yeah. if you're listening to this, I don't mean that at all. Please don't. When I say older, I do know who she is because I saw something about her on Huffington Post. Oh, okay. There was a Huff Post about her, right. but I didn't know because I've I've seen. I mean, I've heard that there are other folks, other adult stars, both male and female. That do at the very least have been doing open mics and that kind of thing. Right. So I didn't know, but I did read about her. Yes, yeah, that's really, super it's, cool. Anyway, it's really fascinating. It's a it, she's uh, really brilliant on the podcast. I thought I really enjoyed having her on. So if you don't recognize the name, but you um, are like, who is that? That's who that is. So go and check and that listen, out. And listen, we don't all recognize those names sometimes. Oh uh, well, you know what the thing is. Like sometimes I've, we don't get the credits. But also, I'm unashamedly uh, like you know I've looked at pornography in my life. I'm not I'm not under, oh, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah whatever and i probably would know some people like if you like if you threw a few names out i'd be like oh yeah okay yeah i know yep yep i know who that is like you know there'd be enough right um but what you're saying is she's sort of more of an artist and if she she's like if you go deep if you're an indie fan well no the truth (laughs) is well firstly partly that's kind of right yeah because she is like the sort of like you know a bit of like an art rock sort of like a bit more sort of whatever but as she talked about on the podcast and as i said to her i said because i was going to do a little bit of research about like her backstory and i said you can't research you because just because i hadn't heard about her she has done a lot of work and it is all on the internet yeah, and well. there is no way of just googling the other stuff like it's incredibly difficult yes. to find anything that doesn't at some stage like invo- take you to the yeah, 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 yeah so right. like so i said to her i said i've done no research for this podcast because i tried and then i realized i would just have to stop so, <laughs> so. <laughs> it's the first time that's been problematic in me podcast put- is that uh, so that's uh, the latest one on philosophy. And then uh, last but definitely not least, uh, Charlie and I have a brand new AFL football, like Australian Rules Football podcast oh, yeah. uh, that we're doing together. And so the latest episode of that uh, just went up uh, yesterday. So uh, Charlie's team's won one, one, one premiership and my team's won one premiership. So the podcast is called Two Guys, One Cup. Yes, perfect. So, oh, I love that. Yeah. So and, again, be careful Google. And, that and, as well. uh, and if you... Um, if you're not familiar with Charlie or <laughs> uh, um, 
Do you like abdominal muscles? Oh my God. Charlie Clausen's Instagram. You... Yeah, I've seen him. He's wow, ripped. Right? He shredded. I mean, he shredded. crazy though. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm starting boxing tonight because of that. I'm going to a boxing gym tonight because <laughs> I was like, man, that guy. Yeah. That's inspiring, man. You know, you can be funny and ripped. So, you know, I mean, I, I just want to stay alive, but you know what I'm saying? Good for you, Charlie. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I'm, that's impressive. That's not an easy thing to do. But you know what? Also good for like m me. Like I should get a little credit from that because, and all his friends, because around that time he wasn't as fun as he normally is. Oh, is that right? You know, I couldn't oh, have yeah. a beer with him. Good I for you guys. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right, right, right. He was always like, I mean, you know, we, we were part of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where's my credit? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Sitting by, fair enough. drinking beer while Tag he's Tag somebody in a photo every once in a while. Yeah, come on, mate. Yeah. Come on. Uh, what about you, Greg? Where can people uh, find people can you? Just Where go can to, people... um, um, I've renamed my, my website like 50 times, but it's gregorybarrant.com or Pompa Hawk Chop Shop, which was something that happened, I think, on Adderall. <laughs> and uh, also uh, at Gregory Barrett. <laughs> Were there a I'm, couple of Adderall decisions yeah. you had to back back from? I've Were named there... my tour Screaming Back from Nothing. I was going to Screaming Back. I was going to actually finish it with two no one but i didn't want to <laughs> oversell the popularity of the tickets um so if you're uh, i am uh, my dates are up i've been touring quite a bit um uh please don't if i ha if i haven't come to your town and i post a thing and you say, but come to Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's not because I don't want to. I just simply haven't been invited. Well, also, the other thing that I would say about that is if you are in Pittsburgh, or if, I mean, because I get those yeah. things as well, yeah. people going, yeah, tell, tell the, tell tell the, the club. club. Tell the club. That's like, I mean, honestly. Hey, tell the club. Tell the club. Yeah. Hit him up, say, hey, I like this guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. He's here in America. He's touring, you know, blah, yes. blah, blah. You know, we come out. If yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. But it's no use telling us. Because we also would probably like to play your town. Yeah, there's never a comic that goes, shit, <laughs> Pittsburgh. I don't even know what that is. I, we got to go there. Can right. we go to Pittsburgh? We can. Yeah. I mean, people, we want to. There's not a, there's no, you have to understand how badly we want the work. There's no place that you are that we wouldn't come if we were invited for the right, right. reasons. So, you know, um, uh, you know, just know that. Just yeah. know we're not, we're not In a general you. sense, we're not in a position to snub anybody. 100% true. <laughs> It's 100% true. Uh, Greg, thank you very much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure.